you look at that expression on their face of you know um, deliciousness and that wow oh how delicious and that that's a form of love and the, the way it's accepted and um, the way it's eaten and enjoyed that's the giving that's the way people give love back to me and and that's and that's all I want as parts of Australia enjoy a little bit more freedom out of lockdown but while Sydney is still in the middle of it. We talked to Kathy Staples from Sweet Greek Shop at Paran Market, who is not really entirely free and out there in the world because Paran Market was a tier one exposure site and all the people that were there on the Saturday that the case walked through are in isolation. Kathy, thank you for joining me on Dirty Linen. Hi, Danny. How are you? And it's my pleasure. Well, I'm fine. I'm glad to have a bit more freedom, but I feel like my emotions are just a swirl because the situation is so different for so many people. Everyone's in their own circumstances. Tell us about the situation that you find yourself in. Yes, it's very difficult for me to, I think I've probably overcome the initial shock that I was in um, and and the stress, the level of stress and and coming to terms with it a little bit now. But when I received that phone call on Wednesday evening, very late evening, and that Paran Market is classified as a tier one exposure site, I was devastated. It was just devastating news. It was like, are you serious? I mean, could this really happen? But and then, then the brain said into, oh, my goodness, what does this mean now? What do we need to do? And, of course, in our case, it's all the food. Uh, for me, it was about we'd spent all of Wednesday prepping as we normally do. So I knew we had thousands of dollars worth of stock and also prepared food. Um, and, and you know, that was kind of, you know, what are we going to do now? How are we going to solve this problem? I was very lucky that being part of Pran Market, an enormous amount of, you know, team effort steps in and, you know, solutions come up. And so we all were able to find people that weren't working on that Saturday to go into the shop and go into fridges and freezers and sort all the food out. And then what we couldn't salvage, we then donated. And and that was a blessing. That was just wonderful that we could do that. I mean, I think of the people in our community who are doing it extra tough, who were able to get some of your beautiful food and food from the other producers at the market. So Fair Share, um, Oz Harvest, Second Bite, uh, Asylum Seeker Resource Centre, all of those um, charities were beneficiaries of this really tough situation that, yeah, one of Melbourne's most famous and beloved produce markets, uh, this situation that it was thrown into. It's must be, I mean, so your shop, Sweet Greek, which is in one of the, it's in the Delhi Arcade at Paran Market. It's such a beautiful place. And I know that every single morsel in that shop has been created with love and you sort of, you know it like a friend to, to hand over that control to, and to think about someone else going in there and clearing it out. I mean, it must've just been the strangest feeling. It really was. It was actually gut-wrenching. That's what I said a bit earlier. Um, there were a lot of emotions that I had to overcome in the first few days. It was the shock of us being in this situation that then the realization, that we had to do something with this food. And then it was like strangers were going to make these decisions. Um, It was awful. It really was awful. I think for me, the biggest pain, one of the biggest pain, we had 350 hand-rolled beautiful dolmadas with vine leaves from Mildura. 
And um, that literally broke my heart because I know how like, how many hours it takes us to roll them on a Wednesday. And um, because these dishes were made with rice, so we're very limited in what we could do with them. But yeah, and I and to have, as you say, n- none of my staff or me, especially um, handling the food and, and doing what needs to be done with it, that was really hard, really hard. Um, and I still to this moment don't know, like until I go in on Sunday uh, and, and kind of really assess everything, I, I don't know how they actually did go about everything. You know, I, I think it was all done properly, but um, I just I'll find out on Sunday. So tell me the, pro- the process because so many of the market traders would have had all hands on deck on Saturday and therefore there's no, you know, spare staff that they can reel in to deal with the situation and, and indeed to reopen. Is that your situation? It was my situation. I had, I was um, only one um, young staff member was not working on Saturday. Um, everyone, the pastry kitchen was working, the main kitchen was working and the retail staff were working. Everyone was working. Being a Saturday, it's all hands on deck and it was a very busy Saturday, I have to admit. Um, but except for one young, one of our young staff members, um, Amanda was not um, at work on that Saturday. So, and she knows the shop quite well and the food. So we were able to ask Amanda. At least one of us, one of us could be in there because I think otherwise I would have been having, you know, um, I, I, it really stressed me that the whole thing of the food being sorted out without me being there and just knowing that Amanda at least was there. She took photos of everything as well um, so that I just had a record of these things and it was, it was yeah, so I only had one, one young girl that was uh, we could send in there. And, and of course, within my case, it's not as simple as like sending some friends to open up the shop as, you know, some other traders have been able to do. In my case, it's a process. I've got to buy the raw ingredients and we've got to, you know, prepare it cook it, um, serve it. Um, there's a POS system. There's a whole lot of things. So it's not as simple as just open the doors and start with a few friends. Of course, yeah. Um, and what about financially? I mean, it must be the impact must just be pretty devastating. Yeah, it is because I, I've still this way. I've had no income now since last Thursday, let's say, our first day. And um of course, I've still got wages to pay. Um, my staff, all the staff, um, some are casuals, but some are also on wages and salaried positions, like particularly the key staff. So I have to pay their wages. And, um, yeah, it's a, and I've still got to pay rent. Um, I still I still have – I had luckily had that was up to date with bills, so only a small amount of accounts. But it's just that I haven't had income, so I've still – come next week it's I've got to pay some wages and rent and whatever and I just don't know how I'm going to do that now. Mm. So I mean just pulling back from the immediate crisis Kathy like what's it been like for the market through COVID because I mean it's been able to stay open but what's yeah. trade been like? So I have this year's been really hard Danny for me I, I don't know how the others are feeling but I have felt um, this last year was different. It was a totally different ball game, mind you. I'm so grateful that we can trade, and, and I have to say that that you know, first and foremost, that those of us that are there, we're very blessed to be able to be at the market and to continue trading. But in the overall scheme of things, my experience this year has been that things have tightened up quite a bit. Um, we, we, it's not as buoyant and busy as it was last year, and we initially couldn't understand why. Um, 
um, and I think perhaps it's just got to do with the fact that people are scared. They, there's no job keeper um, available anymore. Um, people don't have money. We've lost quite a lot of people. They're scared, you know, about tomorrow we're getting locked down, locked out, locked in, locked out all the time. You, you just don't know where you stand. And I think people are just tired now. They're, um, and there's a feeling of insecurity in the air. So they're not spending and saving, I think. Mm. Or if they can save, that's if they can. In terms of, like, has foot traffic been down as well as spend? I, I don't know about the foot traffic without looking at the market statistics, but you may have increased foot traffic, but they that may not translate to sales. And the other thing too is that often even if it is a sale, people are, it might be just a little sale. So the way people were spending, you know, $100 or whatever, or, you know, buying their meals for the week and sweets and treats or even catering for friends over a weekend, that that's just not happening in my, in my case anyway as much as it's been in the past. Um, so I'm just finding overall a lot of my regular customers are not even there. I don't know where they are, but uh, we often wonder, where's so-and-so, where's so-and-so? I know that there was about sort of six of them that um, headed up to Byron Bay at the beginning, but, you know, we're sort of wondering where are some of our regulars? You know, we've lost a lot of our regular customers that would buy, come in and do their weekly shop, let's say. I'm, I don't know either, Danny. I just don't know. Um, I'm not sure in my case. I mean, obviously, we've got a few regulars, but um, the the thing that has probably kept us a few, we've got, but we've lost quite a few. And what's kept us going, fortunately, is the delivery. Um, a lot of delivery. We are doing some deliveries. Um, but, you know, that's exhausting in itself. Do you constantly having to, you know, remind people, don't worry, you know, um, you know, we can deliver and, and place your orders online and people forget and then you've got to keep reminding them that's just, a, you know, it's, it's exhausting. The whole process is exhausting. Absolutely. Um, just with the different spend and the different sort of purchasing routines that people have got into, does that mean that you've changed the offering in the shop at all? I mean, I, you know, I just love your shop for all the beautiful pastries, sweet and savory, the salads, all the just beautiful deli items. I mean, have you sort of reframed what you're offering to for different patterns? So basically, yeah, I've looked at, <clears throat> we've had a look at, okay, what do we think is not some of the cakes that I um, used to love making that were a little bit more innate and were selling. I've now stopped making them. So I'm, I guess what we've done is we've shifted our outlook from food to pastries to cakes to more, you know, go back to basics. Um, it's it's back to basics. So it's core food. Um, it's this humble um semolina custard tarts it's um f uh, seasonal fruit tarts now um it's food like that you know the the, the humble peak comfort food that everyone's looking for and craving the apple crumbles at the moment the rhubarb cheesecake you know the baklava cheesecake that I, I created for a television show is just going crazy it's always went crazy but it's going even more crazy now so um yeah things i'm finding that we change things um to go back to basics more back to basics um than than more some of the more extravagant stuff that we enjoyed making as we sort of uplifted up a notch you know and um but people are not wanting that now they're just wanting comfort lots of soups lots of soups now so um um and of course being winter i think winter also calls for that too so um 
yeah, that that's what we had to do. We had to reassess and also the quantity of food on offer. So I had to reduce about six of my cakes and also um, food-wise, I didn't reduce some of the food we have. Um, yeah, I have to say we did just trying to think what haven't we done now um yeah for, for some reason we found at shoulder of lamb which was a delicacy every saturday everyone would come for their shoulder roasted shoulder of lamb and we would sell kilos and kilos of it that seems to have slowed down so we've shifted now to lamb shanks which people prefer more and um, so there's still something but i've just changed it Mm, so interesting. Trying to read people's minds, you know, trying to pay. And I ask them, to be honest, we have such a wonderful relationship that, look, I ask my car, I just say, what would you like? What would you like us to cook? You know, and, and they tell us. It's so interesting, isn't it, sort of being responding to your customers but also trying to anticipate them in a way. Um Tell us about the baklava cheesecake because those words go together very well in mind. <laughs> they do, don't more. they? Yes. So um, a few years back, I, I often do some work for Andonio Filo Pastry and they often will ask me to create recipes for them. And quite a few years ago now, and I don't remember, but um, – I, I did a um, often um, everyday gourmet often asks me to go on and do a television segment with Justine, and on on this particular occasion, Antonio said to me, "You're going to be making something with filo pastry and kataifi pastry. So, what 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 would you like to create?" And um, and I just said, "All right, leave it with me." And I started thinking, thinking, thinking. And I mean, there's two things that I really love. I love a really good baklava, and I love a really good cheesecake. So I thought, let me see if I can perhaps create and put the two together. And and in a way, that's how the the that's how that process started. I created the baklava, the cheesecake mixture, and used a bit of my yogurt because I like using yogurt in my cheesecakes. And then I made a lovely um, syrupy mixture with nuts and honey um, and wasn't runny. It was nice and thick. And as I did all the filo pastry on the bottom, I then did a layer of cheese and then dollops of this nut mixture and then a layer of cheese and dollops and it just kept going. Um, and then I made all these beautiful ruffled roses with the filo pastry on top. And then we baked it and drizzled it with the um, honey on top and pistachios and rose petals. And it's just beautiful. It really is beautiful. And it's just gone viral. It has gone, it's just gone crazy. <laughs> no, no wonder. Sounds amazing. I can't believe I haven't had that. I'm coming straight in. So when you you open next Sunday, right? No, we're opening Sunday, but we won't be able to prepare the. Okay, okay, to, okay. I'll have so it'll be the next days. week. Next week we start. <laughs> okay. start. We'll come Tuesday, we'll be all hands on deck again. Okay. But, yeah, so I really can never be without that because everyone asks for it. So everyone asks for it. Yeah, it is beautiful though. So you kind of get the tanginess of the cheese and, and then you get that sweetness with the nuts and it's just beautiful and the crunchy phyllo pastry. Uh, really nice, yeah, really nice. Um, Cathy, you've just celebrated 10 years at the market, haven't you? Yeah, it's been wonderful. I can't believe it, Danny. You know, I think, wow, where have all the 10 years gone? I just cannot believe it. Um, but, yeah, 10 years, 10 years. Take us back to, you know, before you had the store there at the market. What was it that took you from your previous life into food? So 
it was, um, I've all, I have always been a fan of the pran market, no matter what, in my whole life with my parents growing up. I live in Richmond. I've always lived in Richmond. So it was, if we didn't attend the Gladell market here in Richmond on a Saturday, we'd always go to pran market. So it was a market that I loved and, and just adored all my life. So I used to always dream, being a passionate cook, um, I always, but never pursued a career in, in cooking. I used to dream about one day having this little food store. But of course, you're in this situation um, where, especially at my age group, my family didn't particularly encourage it at the time. And they said, I get an education, whatever. So I did. I pursued an education and worked in the um, investment banking area. And did, that's what I did while you have kids and mortgages, you know, and all you do all of that. And I used to, at the back of my mind, I used to think, I just want to cook food for people the way we cook here at home. I just want to, and I also felt that not enough was known about authentic Greek cuisine. Um, people only knew the souvlaki, the tzatziki, that sort of thing. And um, so I said, one day, one day, but I never had the guts to do it, to be honest. It was, you know, one of those things you think, well, how am I going to do it even if I want to? Um, until, of course, as is well known, I was diagnosed with cancer. I had to um, give up everything, sold my client base, um, and then that was for me an, a situation where I thought once I did that, I thought I'm never coming back. That's it. I'm never coming back again. Now it's time for me. It's either, you know, sink or swim now. If, if I'm blessed to survive, I'm going to pursue my dream and that's you know and I said whatever happens happens you know if I make it I make it if I don't I don't it's that simple um and that's why when thinking about it um it was the first place that I thought of it was a no-brainer it was I want to go to Paran Market and a couple of friends helped me through this um because you know when you're sitting on a chemo chair and um you're not knowing what your future has you do need someone to push you along and these two friends of mine just never let me let you know sort of release the dream they just kept making sure that um I, that that dream was alive in my mind and my brain you know that i just that flame never stopped it was important and really it's thanks to them because i think had i been left on my own i probably the flame would have died from fear and what was the fear the fear was that i was probably not going to survive and that any investment I made in it would be, you know, it would just go down the drain, you know, and my family would be left with some burden, you know. So that was my fear. Um, but they made sure, my two friends just made sure that I just kept it alive and then they actually helped me find that place at the market where I am now. And it just started. That's how the ball game started. Um, initially, I cooked from home and transported everything to the market every single day. So once, let's just say once chemo was finished, radiation was finished, I then had to pretty much gain my strength as well. I, I needed a few months to pick the pieces up again. And, um, you know, one day once we secured that place um, with that market management, we then had to get the ball rolling. We did a bit of work in there and was very basic and when I look back on it now I think wow Kathy how basic was that you know but I I couldn't see it at the time Danny you know it was like at the time it was wow I have this little space and I can now do what I've always wanted to do um, and it was from day one people supported me it was from day one I, you know I might have had half a dozen items of food for offer 
and that was a lot for me. I thought, wow, this is good. But when I look back on it now, it was so basic. But people liked it. They bought it. And then I'd have to start again, go back home that night, start again, finish at one o'clock in the morning, get up at five and keep going. Um, and, yeah, that's how I did it in, in the beginning. <laughs> what was yes. it that you loved about creating that food and 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 making it for people what why was it satisfying for you I think I love um, food for me is an expression of love uh, it's it's that whole journey it's deciding okay tonight I'm going to cook let's say yemista and it's like all right it's a journey you think what am I going to I'm going to cook peppers and tomatoes and zucchinis and then so then you start I've got to go and buy them wash them clean them prepare them bake them you know so it's a journey and then you serve them on some of your beautiful platters and um and and that's an expression of love and I love I just wanted to do this beyond my family I wanted to share that love with everybody else now, I wanted people to taste the food I wanted them to understand that this is what Greek food really is a lot of them had been traveled to Greece so they knew but I'll tell you a funny story I, I started making um, white daramosalata the white one and I'd sit there and ask people to try it and then with biscuits and things and then they'd say what's this and I'd say it's white you know, taramosalata, and they'd say, but what's that? And then in the end, the only way I could describe it was to say, well, look, it's that pink stuff that you buy at the supermarket. <laughs> you know, the, it's, the, it's the pink stuff that you buy at the, pink, at the supermarket. And then, they're, oh, that's what it is. And I thought, <laughs> oh, you know, and that took, it was, what an effort it was to retrain people's mind to stop them buying that horrible pink stuff and to buy real tarama made from actual cod row that comes from Iceland, you know, and, and that was had to be brought in, of course. Um, and that that was the beginning. That's a funny story. So that's the process, the educational process. Then we always, always made the Galactoburikot, which is the semolina custard. And people come in now and they just, they talk about the dishes from just off the top. It's like, oh, Kathy, I would like some yemista, please. And I want some kefedes and I would like a galactoburikot, you know, things like that. And I think, isn't this amazing? You know, and that's all been achieved in 10 years. It's you, amazing. You've brought your community a long way. It's like, yeah, it's such yeah. a testament to you and, and yeah. yeah, just to your joy in sharing. But it is, I mean, it's, it's really quite profound, I think, you know, that, that, you know, you had this period of time where you were so depleted and you were scared about dying and, you you know, your friends, bless them, kept this dream alive in you. But then it's so what is it about food? You know, it's like in, at a time where you could quite reasonably just want to be given to, you know, you could be sitting there wanting to receive, but you want to give. It's like wh why is it the giving that is sustaining it's it's because you know you you're giving love but at the same time you then receive it as well because you know you you look at that expression on their face of you know um, deliciousness and that wow oh how delicious and that that's a form of love and the the way it's accepted and um, the way it's eaten and enjoyed that's the giving that's the way people give love back to me and and that's and that's all i want you know really that is all i 
want. I guess, you know, I often think, oh, maybe I need, I just, I enjoy that, the love aspect and that I, um, other people do it through flowers and gardening and things like that. And I'm also a giver. I, I don't believe I should sit back and do nothing. Um, I, I really love working and I enjoy working. Um, and I love giving too and receiving as well. And for me, the biggest res- thing that I receive is just that expression on your face that when you try it and you look at me and you smile and you think, wow, I'll give like um, I received a beautiful note the other day from a couple of my customers and um, they, they are a couple and one has come in um, and asked me if I would do a private cooking class for his partner. And I said, absolutely, because he wants to learn how to make the chicken of Golemono, which is the ch- traditional Greek chicken soup. And, um, and that for me, it was just joy. But then they sent me a note and said just, Kathy, we just want to, during lockdown now, and say that we support you, we're behind you, don't worry, you know, um, we, we just want you to know just how much love you have given us over all these years, how much you have done for us, your enthusiasm, your passion, how much you have fed us, you know, because I know I'm feeding people. Some people buy their weekly food from me, you know, and just stack up the freezer and their food's done for the week. Um, and you're feeding them and nurturing them. Mm, it's such it's such a connection isn't it absolutely you know to know that you know the children are eating well the parents are eating well grandparents grandparents that's another big thing um you know some the children will come in and they buy for their parents you know so i'm feeding the grandparents now who are no longer can cook but they want that familiarity they want that flavor they want the pastizio they want the moussaka they want the yemistar they and so they'll come in and they'll say kathy can i just have a tray of this, 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 and this. I'm taking it over to mum and dad's and so that all I have to do is just warm it up and eat it. And that's really comforting for me too. Yeah, that's really special just to keep, keep yeah, to keep those experiences alive for, for everybody who's part of them. It's, yeah, it's really it's so rich. Um, so, Kathy, you found out that the market was a exposure site, I guess, four days after or five days after it had happened. So does that mean that in t- it's, it's 14 days from that exposure that you have to stay at home? Yes, it's 14 days from that Saturday. It, it, that's another thing too. There's so much confusion uh, about like initially it was, well, hang on. I mean, it was Saturday. Why are we finding out on Wednesday? Because we would we worked all day Tuesday. And then we prepped all day Wednesday and I thought, well, I could have saved myself all of, all of this. But anyway, it turned out it's this process, I don't know, of results and a whole lot of things and whatever. But it, it is, um, yeah, so it's 14 days from that Saturday, which means this Friday we all have to go and receive our second um, test. Um, we have to wait 24 hours and we um, open again on Sunday. Now, in my case, I can't open on Sunday. We're going to go in and clean everything out again. We're going to sanitise, um, make sure our fridges are clean, just all of that. If, if it was missed, let's we'll fix it um, and then we'll... Um, you know, start the process. I've just, I've got to catch up now, to be honest, Daniel. As I said, I've lost two weeks of income and I really have to work hard now to catch up because I don't have anything to fall back on. That's the problem. So, um, yeah, that's, it's going to be a bit of a, you know, it's, I'm not alone. I know everyone's in the same boat, but it's, that's the part that I'm now worried about for next week. We have to do extremely well now to be able to catch up. That's the thing. 
Well, I know that the community is just waiting to support the market traders because it's, I mean, I grew up at Paran Market as well. You know, when I was a little kid and I had, I remember going, we'd go there every week and I'd, I'd go up and down the, behind the aisles and collect, I, like collect cabbage leaves to give to my bunny at home. You know, like it's just such a part of so many people's lives. Um, yeah. Is there anything, you know, this enforced uh, time at home, is there anything that you're, you've been doing like how have you been sort of talking yourself through this have there been any cooking projects or anything that's got you through look the first few days um there was um uh, i think you know i was tired probably um tired mentally physically in shock and trying to take in what had happened and, and what were the implications of it all the first few days were make, uh, just constant ringing of the staff um talking to them um, some were really scared just being able to talk to them uh, reassure them comfort them and tell them that you know i'm not going to you know let them down they're not going to you know they're not going to go without um and because even last year when i received no assistance from the government last year and because my staff were all visa holders and except for, except for two and i held on to everybody but i just paid for them you know out of my own pocket i had to um i had to be because i knew if i didn't pay them they'd be you know, destitute, they wouldn't pay food, rent, everything. So I've, they've all stayed with me, of course. And, you know, as I say to them, you know that you're not going to struggle and you'll be fine in the end because I'll make sure that I look after you. So that was the beginning, Danny. I then I think for two days, might have been the weekend, I'm not, might have been Sunday actually. I think it was, I kind of crashed and I spent, I, because I'm always working, I don't know how to relax as well. So I found it on Sunday, my body was telling me lie down, but my brain was telling me, no, don't lie down, just keep going. And I thought, no, give it, give it up, Kathy. So I kind of slept a lot. I just lay down on the couch and slept a lot just to, just to forget and stop worrying for just one day, if I could just stop worrying for one day. And uh, that's what I did on Sunday. Um, and I woke up yesterday totally motivated and I thought, right, this is it now. I'm going to start creating some of those dishes that I've always wanted to create and haven't had time to do. So I spent the day cooking and baking yesterday. Um, of course, I don't have a single soul to give it to. And I got text messages from people saying, who are you cooking all of this for? And I said, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> so um, I can't take it to anyone. I can't give it to anyone. Uh, then in the end, I have to say, I, I actually put out a whole two or three baskets, you know, out on the, on, out on the, um, on my fence and I just I text one of my sons and I text neighbours and I said look there's all this food outside in baskets come and get it and enjoy it <laughs> oh my goodness those lucky people yeah because I you know but I had to do it it's like the create that the in the, the fire in my belly was lit up again and I thought right you know that's it this is come on Kathy do what you can do and I'm now got all these ideas again and then I started talking to the staff and I said right don't put this time to waste let's start creating let's start thinking what are we doing next and um and you know and that's why I've been trying to motivate them that's amazing. It's such a, I mean, what an amazing thing that you've been able to muster the energy and the inspiration to, to progress even through such a difficult time. 
It, it's, you have a responsibility, sorry, Danny, to the staff. I think my my concern was that they, you know, that they were okay and that they, you know, they, because I know initially a couple of them were quite sad and scared and depressed, and I thought we had to pick them up and um, so not and make sure that they were okay and not worried um, that they'd get they'd always be looked after, and that was important. Mm. Oh. I just really feel for you and I'm so grateful to you for what you, the love and connection that you put out into the community. Uh, I can't wait to come back to the market and support you and all the other traders that have, um, especially those who've had to close through this period. You know, I think it's been, at least it hasn't gone like wildfire through the market. It just seems like uh, there's been no transmission out of this case location wandering around and doing their shopping. So that's something to be grateful for. True, so true because I actually, um, somebody said, do you really, he did this, he did this, he did that. And I thought, you know what? That that's normal to like I think that's that's quite typical. I mean, if you're going to come to the market and you could I could just visualize him. That's in a way the kind of route you would take, isn't it? You'd come yeah. in, you'd go here, you'd go fruit and veggies, then you'd come into Delhi Arcade, you'd come around around Q Baker into fish and fish, and then around to meats, and then you might as well get a coffee at Market Lane, and you know, and I thought. That is pretty typical, isn't it? It's just normal. But but how are we nobody else? Well, that's but I think that's what they're waiting for on Friday. They're gonna see. Hope you know we've got to keep our fingers crossed that it doesn't pop up towards the end of the isolation. But you know, I have to say to you and to the twenty thousand other people that are in isolation, thank you so much for that heroic work in keeping us safe. It's honestly, it's they say it at every press conference, like you guys are the heroes, along with the healthcare workers and the contact tracers and all those people. But it is such a great effort to keep our community safe. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you too, Daddy. Thank you for all that you do and um, everybody else. There's so many people that have jumped in to help help us through this. And, um, you know, and, and you look, to be honest, everything, we all need each other. And in this moment, a lot of people have jumped in to help us and and we also behind the scenes receive phone calls and text messages uh, from market management as well who are always saying and you and others and they're saying are you okay Kathy you know is there anything that you need and and that's you know reassuring as well so that's how we do it that's how we get through it. Mm, absolutely. Uh, we've been battered and bruised by the past 18 months, but it's 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 fantastic that we can still come together as a community and look after one another. Absolutely. I will see you uh, in about a week for a, a baklava cheesecake. <laughs> and a baklava cheesecake. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. All right, take care um, and look after yourself and I'll see you soon. Thanks, Cathy. Bye. Thank you, Danny. Bye. Bye. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.